Under the Church by Lee Purcell. The crate rested in the back of an olive Studebaker pickup, parked out in front of Darcy's Liquors, and the kid was sitting on the hump in the bed, swinging his foot back and forth. Each time his bare foot hit the crate, scuffling began inside, claws against wood. Each time he heard the struggling inside, the kid would laugh. What have you got in there? Krako shouted across the street. The kid looked up, his eyes as dark and round as a seal's eyes, but he did not answer. That boy, that's Mulholland's boy. He's part Cherokee, I think. Caught yourself a weasel? Krako pushed his sweat-stained cap back and squinted toward the crate. I sat on the hood of Krako's taxi, heels braced to keep from sliding off the rounded edge. The sun behind us made immense flares, incandescent solar arrows on the chrome of the cars lining the street. Krako was chewing a wintergreen mint. I could hear the harsh sound of enamel crunching candy. Leave him alone, Krako. He hadn't really started in on the kid in a bad way yet, but he would, I felt, bored as he was sitting here in his taxi. Mount Shasta rose behind the liquor store. A trace of cloud clung just below the double peak, like a remnant left by a storm-battered climbing expedition. I supposed I was bored, too, having quit my bartending job less than a week ago. Mulholland came out of the liquor store, talking, gesturing to Kenrick, the owner. He led him around to the crate, and Kenrick leaned over, saw something in the crate, backed away. Scratching the back of his neck, he looked from Mulholland back to the crate. What the hell have they gotten there? Krako's curiosity was engaged, and I knew I couldn't distract him at this point. A rabid rodent? Maybe a beaver? Mulholland was talking to his boy. The sun held them all in bright relief. Behind them in the liquor store window, a plastic waterfall circled, dumping gallons of shimmering liquid into a pool. A rock in the foreground, blue-black like the barrel of a gun, provided a niche for a golden-brown bottle of beer. Kenrick and Mulholland started through the gap toward the back of the liquor store. On the opposite side of the street was the police station. Krako pulled me toward the truck. I'll have to have a look at this thing, he explained. Wintergreen fumes rolled from his lips. The boy stopped kicking the crate as we crossed the street. He studied as with distrustful curiosity. His bare feet were a dark earth tone, rich sienna, and shuffling his feet around, he inadvertently kicked the crate again. A flurry of fresh scratching came from the box. The door fastened with a simple latch, the hasp secured by a stick, measured about a foot and a half square. A chicken wire window, more a peephole really, revealed nothing from my angle of view. The box was about six feet long. Can we take a look? Krako asked. I don't think he speaks English, I suggested. The kid looked at us with his seal eyes. He swished his gaze to the crate, his nose right up to the chicken wire. Osiu Una, he said. I'm almost certain I heard a response come from the box. It's an Osiu Una, Krako said. I've got to see this damn thing. He crawled up into the truck and tried to look through the screen. Can't see nothing. Let's go have a beer. The boy was getting excited. He grabbed Krako's big insensitive hand and tried to force it from the edge of the box. Krako shook him off, reached for the latch on the crate. Hala, the boy said. Hala. As soon as the latch was opened, the door sprung open. I was too close and I was hit in the face by something big, teeth or claws or something dug into my cheek, and I was knocked backward, hitting the pavement hard. 
My breath was knocked out of me. Lying on the sidewalk, it felt as though I could feel the earth moving, making slow circles through the universe. I was giddy with the notion of the revolutions and orbits. Opening my eyes did nothing to help. The scenery wobbled like an underwater carousel. Jesus, God Almighty, Krako was saying. Jesus, God Almighty. I looked up at him. His image was overexposed and swaying, and I was wondering how he could lean so far over and not fall until I realized it was my vision that was making him sway. I lay there looking at a sky that was bleached from its previous deep blue to a thin blue, a blue like the thin shell of a robin's egg. Something warm and salty touched my lips, and tasting it, I realized it was my own blood. I shut my eyes. What was it? Krako kept asking the boy. Tell me what that thing was. Mulholland and Kenrick came back. One of them pressed a wadded-up handkerchief at my wound and told me to hold it tightly against my cheek. The pressure of the cloth made the wound sting sharply. The boy pointed down the street. He was talking to his father in that strange tongue. Krako finally got around to looking down at me. Are you all right? Did you see that thing hit you? I had a real close-up view of it, I said weakly, and a wave of nausea rolled over me. You bloody fool, Krako, you blind idiot, Kenrick said. Now wait a minute, Krako said. How the hell did I know what was in there? How did I know it was going to break out? You leave a boy all alone to watch some kind of... of... He sputtered to a stop and stood glaring at Kenrick. My boy said it run under the church, Mulholland said, and they all started down the street to the church, which sat alone surrounded by vacant lots at the end of the street. Two policemen came out of the alley beside the liquor store. Again the question, are you all right? I blankly nodded, and they went off down the street, and in a moment, when I felt a little steadier, I got up and followed them. The wound stung fiercely now. The edge to the pain reminded me of a cottonmouth bite I'd gotten when young, it had been just a nip on my toe, barely creasing the skin, but the pain had stung, seared, and throbbed while it took two days for the poison to wear off. A couple of people sifted out of shops along the street and followed the excitement along to the church. Mulholland and a policeman were on hands and knees trying to see into the crawl space under the church. The policeman had his pistol out. I watched them silently and tried to collect my thoughts. I knew I wasn't reasoning very well. I felt as if I'd been snapped from awareness and dropped into the middle of a dream, but somehow it didn't seem quite that important to me that I put everything together, so I stood and watched everyone clustered around that crawl area. The sun was hot. I looked for and couldn't find a shady place to sit down. The air smelled like hot dust, like dust roiled up by hard galloping iron horseshoes. There was an older man sitting on the steps around the corner from the crawl area. The spot was in the sun, but I needed a place to sit down, so I went over and joined him. He focused on the bloody handkerchief and talked to it instead of me. Hurt yourself there, I see? Looks like it's still bleeding. I was going to say something about the thing biting or scratching me, but it seemed too absurd and I just said, The bleeding is stopping, I think. Something ran under the church, he went on. I didn't see it, but they said it ran under there. Some kind of weird varmint. Everybody is acting like the devil himself is loose. A woman sat down on the other side of me. She came out of nowhere and unfurled an umbrella and held it above me, shielding my face from the sun. In one hand was a red paper cup, which she handed me. I'm afraid that there's just some ice left, but it might cool your throat. I saw what happened to you. 
Her eyes were startlingly a bright shade of blue, but the rest of her face was a network of wrinkles, decades stretched out in a filigreen pattern that failed to conceal that she had been quite beautiful as a young woman. Her voice had a youthful quality as well. A young mother running toward the congregation shouted, Mike, you get back from that hole. The old man beside me spoke, studying with some disdain the umbrella. Bad luck to open an umbrella on a sunny day. His mouth churned, chawing non-existent tobacco. The woman ignored him. My name is Elizabeth Dresser. I own the little bookstore here in town. Take a sip of your drink. The ice is melting. I shut my eyes. A steady murmur of voices rounded the corner as spectators continued to arrive. The old man grabbed the edge of my sleeve and started talking again. His voice had the weary monotone of a machine running on dying batteries. I remember the time, he let go of my sleeve, back when I owned the chicken farm off on old Route 45. I woke up in the middle of the night, three in the morning it was, saw my clock glowing on the nightstand. I had this eerie kind of feeling, a very strange feeling, and I could hear the chickens waking. So I got up and grabbed a lantern and went out to the chicken shed. I was so rattled I didn't even think to bring my rifle. But I got out there and the chickens were going out of their minds, squawking and flapping about. Then I saw it, he announced proudly. I turned in his direction and for the first time he looked directly into my eyes. His eyes were dark like slate. Sasquatch, that's what it was, I'm sure of it. Seven feet tall and walking upright like a man. Didn't smell like a man, though. Smelled like a swamp. He was just as scared as me. Took one look at me and turned and crashed off through the bush. I just watched him go. I was shaking too hard to move. The old woman beside me shifted, and then the sun struck me again, passing like a golden hand over my shoulder and forehead. I didn't really see it, she told me. I saw you fall down and looked up to see if the boy was all right. It was gone just like that everybody following its trail down the street. I drew another half ounce of water from the ice at the bottom of the cup. The worst of it, I think, is not knowing what it is. She readjusted the umbrella, and I was returned to the relative comfort of the shade. The imagination is filled with more terrors than the world could ever conceive. I remember when I was a young girl and I went to see the Phantom of the Opera. I was petrified at the beginning, that creature skulking about and frightening everyone always lurking behind walls and in darkness. But when I finally got a look at him, I could see what he was, a man wearing makeup, flexible collodion and eyeshadow. I mean, he was dreadful looking, but not nearly so bad as I had pictured him. The imagination is a powerful thing. She cast a solicitous glance at me. I nodded, making the gesture to acknowledge her story, but not really understanding the point in her telling it to me. You should really be home rather than out here in the sun. Head injuries are not to be taken lightly. I'm fine, I murmured. The ice water helped. A woman broke away from the fringes of the crowd, carrying her young child, who was wailing uncontrollably. The crying seemed to add to the mood of anxiety. One policeman was talking to the people, one group at a time, trying to convince the crowd to break up and go home. It could be rabid, I heard, and we don't want anyone bitten. The spectators seemed mesmerized by the presence of whatever moved through the crawlspace darkness. They would back off a few yards, shift position, and settle at another spot. A large woman, her legs protruding like stumps beneath a dark coat she wore despite the heat, gnashed her teeth and shouted her own suggestions to the police force. Why don't you use gas on it? Shoot some gas in there and then go in and drag it out. 
letting some horrible wild beast run loose under the church. It's terrible. It's just too much. Shoot some gas in there and knock the thing out and then drag it away. I saw Mulholland standing by his boy, hand resting on the kid's shoulder. The boy squirmed, peering nervously about, craning his neck to see into the crawl space. An officer walked up and said something to Mulholland. Mulholland answered him solemnly. The officer shook his head skeptically. The kid wriggled beneath the hand of his father, his seal eyes searching. The unknown has always been a constant fascination to man, the woman started again. I do a lot of reading, owning a bookstore, you realize, and in every culture you will find stories of things that dwell in darkness, things that live in perpetual night, the subjects of our nightmares. I think you can find a correlation with Western psychology. Excuse me, I said, standing up. I am not feeling well at all. Her frail hand reached out to steady me. It was white and covered with liver spots, and the bones looked scarcely concealed by the pale, translucent skin. She was wearing lavender scent, I noticed for the first time, and the odor made my stomach flutter uncomfortably. Excuse me, I said again, and started walking past the crowd, wanting nothing more than to sit down in my apartment and turn on the air conditioner and drink a glass of cold water. A man grasped my arm. You're the one the thing bit, he said, nearly wrenching away the bloody handkerchief. You must have seen it. What did it look like? Please, I said. I didn't see it. I don't know what it looks like. He refused to let go of my arm, staring at me, wondering if I was lying. He had a narrow, pale face, and his breath was musty and unpleasant. What's he doing? Someone said rather loudly, and my attention was drawn to one of the policemen on hands and knees, holding a flashlight and probing deeper into the crawl space. He inched ahead and then suddenly gave a cry and drew his hand out with a deep slash along the skin, the blood beginning to well up from a fleshy flap torn loose between the thumb and the index finger. While everyone's eyes were fastened to the fold of skin, Mulholland's boy crawled into the hole beneath the church. The women in the back gasped, and Mulholland let out kind of a choked exclamation, and then silence descended like a sudden unexpected nightfall. My tongue was frozen to the roof of my mouth. It was too late now to turn and simply go home, and I stood there, my pulse booming in the arteries beneath each ear. We all stood like that, the sun easing shadows around the sundials of our bodies, not wanting to see the outcome, but unable to move our eyes from the black hole, waiting for what we knew must happen.